so we'll begin with uh, these procedures. I'm not going to go into them in detail. We're going to call them and give you a skint information about them. Um, if you want to listen to them more, go back and look at them, listen to, to them more in the audio bank. Now, neurological system is uh, one of those systems that plays a major role in our well-being as humans. And that's the reason why it is one of the control systems of our body. Neurological system consists of neurons or nerve cells that uh, control our body. Without the system, our body becomes useless. It cannot function. So our body communicates with each other through the neurological system. Now, in the neurological system, we want to look at the, um, the procedure, the neurological diagnostic procedures. These procedures and assessment uh, are used to evaluate neurological functioning and tests that will help us to to or to serve as indicators such as like you have the mental mental status to know what is happening to our mental, mental status. We must do a new assessment. Um, we must do like a motor functioning. It has to know the motor functioning. Um, even when it comes to electrical activities in the body. And in, intracranial pressure, we look at all these things, we have to look at them under the neural system. I was at work uh, a couple of days ago, and I had a patient who came on the unit, and uh, the patient started banging her head on the wall. And it was so hard to the point that I was sitting out of the choir room, and I heard her banging her head on the wall. Now, when I went to see her, she banged her head so hard, started to have bruises on her forehead at the frontal lobe. Um, now, in this situation, you have to do a complete neural assessment. That's what the state calls for. And even if the state does not call for that, as a nurse, you on the unit, if someone banged their head on the wall a couple of times, they might be having concussion. They might, they might, they might, they might be having other conditions. So you have to go in and do a complete neural assessment. And if we do neural assessment, we must do a head to toes neurological assessment, which will include our perla. Whether we are, we are feeling sensation, our eyes, movement, all those things also fall under neurological assessment. So we must do that. Now, the new assessment under here, will, we, intend to, we intend to look at the cerebral angiography. That's one. To look at one, uh, the cerebral angiography. Um, this is very important to look at in our end class, uh, cerebral angiography. It comes in the ankles a lot. So we have to know what is cerebral angiography. We have to know what are our nursing intervention when it comes to cerebral angiography. What are the tools we use to do this procedure and how can we do this procedure? Those are all important things about our nursing uh, our nursing struggle. We'll look at under here. We'll look at CT scan. CT scanning under here. It is important. What is our role? Or what are our roles when it comes to uh, doing a diagnostic procedure to CT scan, to scan uh, some part of our body under the neural system? We have to know the roles we play in here as nurses. We also want to do the GC, the GCS, um, the glaco, the glaucoma scale. Now, this glaucoma scale it is important for us to know the values. To know the good numbers for glaucoma scale, we set a radius between three up to fifteen. Anything above it is good. 
anything below it is not good for the for the GCS. We have to know what are the parts of this GCS. If we are doing a glaucoma scale, what are our concerns? There are certain things we look at, certain variables. Those variables are important when it comes to GCS. Take for example, look at our eyes opening. Is my patient opening his eyes? If he's opening his eyes, how is he responding to sound, to touch? Those are things that entails in the GCS that we must know. Is my patient having very clue? Is he talking to me when I, when I call his name, hey John? Does he respond to me? Does he need to be touched before he can open his eyes? All those things got different numbers. Is his motor skills functional? Is he responding motor skill wise? Is he responding to me? When I call his name, when I, when I, when I, does he lift his head up to look at me or, does, or, or, or is he lying down, supine, not talking to me? These are things that fall under this, this GCS. Now, in the GCS, we must add the E, the V, and the M to have our total GCS. The, the, we must add the, the E, eye opening, plus uh, V, plus M. It gave us GCS. Now, if you listen to the audio, we talk about the E is eye opening. This eye opening has numbering. The E has numbering from one downward, from four downward to one. Every numerical value on a year represents a particular response to stimuli. Then we talk about V. V is verbal clue. Is he having verbal responses to me when I'm, when I'm talking to him? Now the V also has a numbering. It starts from five downward to one. Every numerical value you had, every number you has a value. Is a client talking to me just by just by words of mouth? Is he responding to me by opening his eye? Those are things you want to look at under the GCF. Then the last one is the motor skill. Now the motor skill, which is the M, it reaches between six downward to one. So so we add the eye opening. What what number we get from eyes opening, plus the verbal response, plus the motor response, it gave us the glaucoma skill. So I'm gonna say a patient, he's in a patient who had a brain injury, and he's having a GCS score or he's having a glaucoma score of seven. What does the nurse expect this client this client to respond when the nurse uh, goes to the client to perform a procedure? So someone at seven, how did they derive at seven? We have to know. Is he responsive? Can he talk to the nurse? We have to know. If we do not listen to the other, if we do not listen to what this score is, the meaning of it, we cannot answer this question. A patient is at GCS score or nine. Now, what is the state? A patient can open his eye after his name is being or after his name has been called. He can respond by touch. He moves his eye, open his eye, and shake his head back and forth or hyper extend his neck what score will he have so we will know every domain here has a value and every value here has the way how we assess those values listen to the audio they are in the audio now another thing is we look at the um the electroencephalography the eec electroencephalography is another procedure we do on the neuro it's called the EEC, the electroencephalography. Now, this is a non-invasive procedure. Again, this procedure, 
we want to know the ones that are invasive versus the ones that are non-invasive. Because the, the invasive one, they will require a lot of things like informed consent, other things. The non-invasive one, meaning we're not going into the client, we're not going to pay into the client body. It will require uh, 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 consent, but it is most of, mo many of the time it is implied consent. So we whether it is invasive or it is non-invasive when it comes to the ankles. Now, this EEC, it is to help us assess the brain activities, the brain electrical activities that are occurring in the brain. That's what it is done for. Now, if you do this test, there are indications why we want to perform this procedure. A client had a seizure or a client was in the nursing home, in a skilled nursing home down, downtown Philadelphia. This client has never had seizure. The very first time he had a seizure, what elaborate, what diagnostic procedure would a nurse anticipate for us to do for this patient? A, EKG, B, CT scan, C, EEC, D, MRI. What can we do for this patient? Now, the patient is, this, this is the patient's very first time having seizure. What is our concern? Now, all these things I'm talking about, all these tests can be done when you have some seizure problem. But which one is the most important, the most specific test among them you have to know with this procedure? Someone had a broken arm. You can do other tests or give you the same result. Which one of the tests you will do most? That will be the most accurate test to know exactly what kind of fracture is occurring in the patient's arm. So we have to know the specific test. In the end class, if we don't know these things, it becomes difficult for us to derive at a particular answer with accuracy. Now, we'll also look at um, the intracranial pressure monitoring. Now, in the end class, we also honor this neural system. We do the intracranial pressure monitoring. This is wherein we want to know what are the certain symptoms of increased intracranial pressure. What are those things we can get involved in that will also increase our, our, our intracranial pressure? What are those things we can do that will decrease it? What are the food we have to eat? What are the, anything you do that is strenuous, it increases the intracranial pressure. What is the normal value for the ICP? If you have an ICP to monitor, what are you monitoring for? What is the normal value? These are things you want to look out for in the end class and know them very well. And they are all in the other recording. I ask you to look at. Then we we'll also take a look at lumbar puncture. Lumbar puncture is also under neurological diagnostic procedure. Now, this could be a procedure that is done to diagnose. It could also be a treatment procedure, lumbar puncture. Somebody is having problem, meningitis. Which test can we do that would that would give us the exact cause, the exact that will confirm that the patient is having meningitis? This meningitis falls under neurological system. So, if a patient is having meningitis, what are the procedures we could do? To identify or to, di or di or to diagnose or to, or to confirm our impression for the condition meningitis. We can do a lumbar puncture. We'll do lumbar puncture. What are we looking at? We're looking at the CSF. What's the color the CSF? The CSF color. Is it is it cloudy? If it is cloudy, is it bacterial or is it viral condition? The the, the, the level of wet blood cell, is it high 
or low. In the case of viral, it is it, it is either low or it is abnormal. In the case of bacteria, it's always high. The protein level within the CSF is it high or low? If it is high, it's a bacteria, it's a viral meningitis. These are things. If you listen to the audio, you will get this thing from the audio about this laboratory procedure and this diagnostic procedure. Now, when we're doing lumbar puncture, which portion of the spinal cord or of the of the vertebral column will go in with puncture? Which area between the L4 and the L5, L5 and L6? Which position will the patient assume? The patient assume when we are doing this particular lumbar puncture. These are important things that you must know. This in the in the end class, these conditions you're gonna read in the end class. Sometimes they're not gonna come in the end class. You're gonna find most of the, your questions about laboratory procedure, about diagnostic tests, about education. A patient is going for lumbar puncture after he was suspected of having meningitis. What would the nurse tell the patient? What's, what's, it, what's the nurse concern? What's, what, what's the nurse most important concern for this patient? He, he's scheduled for a lumbar puncture at 8 a.m. The nurse took all the shape at 7 a.m. What's the nurse most important action? Now, these things cannot be done by guessing. Those who draw this anchor question, they are experts when it comes to when it comes to drawing question. They know exactly how to draw question. They have been teaching. They understand a lot of things about the end class and they will get this question in the way that even if you study, it becomes harder to answer the question. So you must study these things, know it to your fingertip before going to the end class. And then the last procedure under here is um, what MRI, Magnetic Resident Imaging, MRI. What is MRI? How do we do it? I'm going for MRI and I have my drawing on my neck. It is, it is supposed to be on my neck or I should remove it. The patient asks the nurse, what's the nurse response? Those things, if you don't know in the English, it sounds like Greek to you when, when you are from England. Or if you are from Greece, it sounds like Arabic to you while you're from Greece. So these things you must know, what is MRI, how can it be done, and everything it discussed in the audio from start to end, from A to Z, with step-by-step -step description, nursing management, everything is in the audio. Now, then we also have the last two procedures under here. We talk about the PET scan and the spice scan. We do PET scan, the PET, and we have this, and we have another one called the SPECT, S-P-E-C-T. These two tests are also scans that can be done to the brain or to the system or to the, to the neural system. Now, with the PET is the position emission uh, tomography. Posi uh, sorry, positron is P O S R T R O N. Positron emission emission tomography for the PET scan PET. Now then we have the S P E C T, which is the spike test. It's the single photon emission computer topographic test. Now you must know what you must know what is the PET scan and what's the SPET uh, what's the SPET scan. Last week I had a client I was talking to, um not a medical client, just like a business client. So talk, talking to her and she told me that oh I'm gonna do I have my PET scan to do. I have to go and follow up my PET scan. Now guess what? We were talking. She she knows that I'm a nurse. She's talking about PET scan. What do I do a PET scan? That's not a concern. She's a patient. She, she's somewhere else. 
she understand what is pet skin so i can ask her mom what is pet skin no so she we're talking as nerd and a patient so a pet skin i should know what is pet skin what she's going to do what what are the things she needs to do before the pet skin can be carried on these are things you must know in the anger to answer the anger question correctly and the last of these things will be x-ray so x-ray is also part of um the nervous system you can also find x-ray in musculoskeletal uh, system and in other systems you can also find x-ray testing or radiography you'll find it in other areas so these are nine tests or nine diagnostic procedures that are linked to nervous system there are more procedure but the anchor is concerned about nine these nine procedures are the anchor's major concern when it comes to the nervous system and we took our time to go through this test to know them exactly what they are how can we achieve them what can we tell our patient when they are going for these tests so if you listen to it you listen to everything about these tests and what to do to prepare for this test before the anklets cerebral angiography CT scan glaucoma scale the EEG the electroencephalography uh, uh, you have the ICP the intracranial pressure monitoring the lumbar puncture MRI which is the magnetic resonant imaging the PET and the SPET scans and you have x-ray or radiographic test these are nine different tests now in your in your book in the sanders you will not see them in there like how i'm talking about them here because the student did not provide them for us in this fraction are you there yes i'm here okay so uh those tests are so important and we they are basic things that you will be required like for example he spoke of meningitis we know that meningitis is one of the daily uh, uh, diseases that affect mostly children even though it affects adults but mostly children so if you were asked you uh, uh you you were asked uh to find out they give you a case scenario for example describing the color of uh the cerebral spinal fluid and by saying, for example, it's cloudy, it's odor, it has odor, and all of those things. What type of meningitis would this be? Or what condition would this be? You cannot answer such a question if you do not know the details of uh, meningitis. So a discovered lumbar puncture, as he said, if you don't know the colors of the fluid, which in the, the color has so much important things to, uh, that we need to know. It could be either be a virus a meningitis, a bacterial meningitis, and we need to know the different kind of viruses that, or bacteria that will cause this meningitis and what are the different fluids that may, 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 may be obtained. Sometimes you may not have the opportunity to go directly to to just get your result, but just by drawing, getting uh, your, your the, the fluid, the color, and the odor will tell you, ah, this is, is, is uh, a bacterial meningitis. I think while we are uh, awaiting the result of the test, we can start some intervention because we, we are sure it's bacterial. Because if it, is, if it is bacterial, we know that we are going for antibiotics. If it is uh, a, a virus, we don't go for antibiotics, we'll be wasting our time. So it's very important that you t 
transfer as best as possible those different diagnostic tools that he had just spoken about that you can be able to go through the read them know the little bit uh, uh, information that will help you so that when you uh, are before the test you are able to say yes I think these tests can help me like for example when do we do uh, 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 x-ray why do we do the x-ray when do we do CD scan? Why are we doing CD scan? MRI. All these different tests has different rationales, so you will be required to, to know those rationales and know specifically. Let's say, for example, a patient has a respiratory problem that I want to check the lungs. What test do I order? What test do I do? What are the normal values? You need to do, know those uh, uh, different uh, uh, instruments that will be used to help you determine what the problem is. So you need to read them, go through them slowly, understand them, and then I think that can help you to go along. So let's take for example, we have a question here. Okay. Um, let me just complete the question. The question states that, uh, so E is two plus um, V is three plus M, M here is 5 equal 10. B states um, E is 3, V is 2, and M is 4. Sorry, V is 4, and M here is 4 also. M is 4. Um, 3, 4, that's 11. Then uh, the next one says E5, V5. Did C say E is 5, V is, the E is 4, E is 4, V is 5, and M is 6. Um, that's 15. And the last one, D, says E is 2, um, V is 2, and M is 4. That will give us 8. Now, see, see this question in the English. You went to your English and you encountered a question like this at the English. The nurse is assessing a patient for changes in level of consciousness using the glycocoma scale. The client opens his eyes when spoken to, speaks incoherently, and moves his extremities when pain is applied. Um, which of the GCS should the nurse document for this patient? So you so so you got a patient. Now in GCF there are three domains we look at. One is the the how we open our eyes. How do we respond to our eyes? So we look at one the eyes e y e s. That's one. Two we look at um, verba. Three we look at motor movement motor movement so when we add e plus v plus motor movement or m should give us a number number the number is going to give us that number should be assessed whether it is it is equal to what is in the problem that's how you look at this question so the patient is not is assessing a patient who is having changes in level of consciousness using the gcs now the client opens his eyes he opens his eyes when spoken to. That's one. He opens his eye when 
he's spoken to many. Um, he does not open his eye by himself. He will not open your eyes when he's spoken to. That's one. This is about this about the E. Eye opening. Next one says the client speaks incoherently and moves his shoulder when P is applied. Two things here. His speech. The speech is incoherent. This becomes verbal. V. The last one gonna be and move his extremities when pain is applied. So he does not move by himself. He will not move by pain. So when there's a painful stimuli, he move his extremity by painful stimuli. This become motto. So in here, by listening to it, so which of the, of the following in here represent the description of the question in here? I bet if you have never did this in your, in your life, you cannot answer. You will be guessing, and your guess will be wrong. Ninety percent of the time, the guess your guess will not be correct. This question is not about trick. There is no trick in the world can make it the right the answer in here. This is about content. It's content in in, in itself, hundred percent. If you not study the the GCS to know how to know, to, to know when a person is responding to you, he's opening his eye. Or he's pointing to verbal clues. What score will you get the patient? You cannot answer, answer, answer this this particular question here. So we're gonna get so let's see what could be our, our correct answer in here. And why is it our correct answer? Okay, can anybody help us? Can anyone help us? Now, let's go back to the GCS. Let me explain to you one at a time and let's find what well, we can find a clue in there and get the correct answer. In the GCS, um, what is important that the GCS has three different domains. And I will read out to you these domains and let's see what we can grab our answer from India. Let's listen keenly. Um, the GCF is a score that we calculate to help or give us some level of functioning for the patient who is having a problem, a neurological problem. Now, the first of those domain is the E, eye opening. That's the first one, eye opening. Now, how do we assess eye opening when the client is having G when the client is having a neurological problem? Now, the first one ranges between four to one. So, the first one, I'm going to put it up here. It starts from four to one. So, meaning we have four, we have three. We have two, and we have one in the first area for the eyes, eye opening. Now, what four says? Four says, um, if the person can open his or her eyes spontaneously, we give them four. So if you saw a patient on the unit, and he can open his eye spontaneously, he takes four. So number four, we're talking about spontaneous eye opening. Spontaneous eye opening I put to, to, to number four number three says if he can open his eyes secondary to sound meaning without sound he cannot open his eye so with sound he can open his eye so number three would be open his eye to sound so when there's a sound s-o-u-n-d it leads to eye opening that's number three number one says there should be a spontaneous meaning without sound or no sound he can open his eye meaning it is spontaneous Number three says, it is not spontaneous. He responds to sound by opening his eye. Number two. Number two says, 
the patient um open his eyes second order pains so number two become pains that can lead to he open his eye pains so number two is not sound it's not a painful stimuli that can help him to open his eye number one states this patient does not open his eye at all no matter what you uh, uh, whether you apply painful stimuli whether you touch him whether you shout in his ear whether you put a gun to his ear and press the trigger the gun sound in your ear he wouldn't open his eyes that means this man's eyes does not open the eyes are not opening now let's go back to our question in this situation the patient opened his eyes when spoken to so where do we find is it one two three or, or four he opened his eyes spontaneously sorry he opened his eyes when spoken to that becomes what four three or two or one three why three Okay, sound right. He's spoken to right. So this will be so I'll get ear. Okay, got a what? So ear will be three, right? Now the next one stays. Let's go. To, let, let, let's go. Let's go to the next domain. This one is verbal. Now verbal, the best response with responses from five to one. In verbal, it starts from five to one. Start from five, four, three. Two and one for verbal. This become verbal. Now, to be at number five for verbal clues, meaning you can have coherent, meaning you can talk with coherence in your sentences. Your sentences are well structured. You can understand what I'm saying, and I can understand what you're saying. That become coherence between you and our conversation. So if you're having that coherence, you will be at five. So number five, there will be coherence. Number five. There will be coherence and there will be orientation. He's having co he's, he's coherent and he's oriented. So if you are oriented and you are coherent in discussing with somebody, meaning you, you have number five in the GCS code on a, on a, a verbal. Number four states, um, you can talk to somebody, but you are incoherent and you are uh, not oriented. Number four says you are incoherent and you are disoriented incoherence and disorientation in number four meaning you can talk to me but you things you say to me does not make sense to me you are not saying things to me that, that are sound they are just incoherent and you already play i can't understand what you're saying i will listen to the words i can catch the word yeah you say okay my name is uh joe Biden. i live in the white house um i yesterday i went to the madrid game in spain those are what you're saying what you say they are not coherent yes you are talking where are you? I'm going to do okay. Right now, I'm in the warehouse sitting in the over office discussing. Now, am I oriented to, to the place I am? No. So, meaning I'm talking, but I, I do not have coherence in what I'm saying, and I do not have orientation, right? Now, number three says, um, words are spoken, but they are inappropriate. So, in number three, you, are, you have spoken words, but they are inappropriate. Meaning, I'm going to do where are you? F you. Amandu, do you want to eat? F you. Meaning, what you're saying to Amandu, he's answering you, but his responses are not appropriate. He's becoming very rude and he's becoming very inappropriate in his wording. That means if the person is talking, but their words are not appropriate, we'll give them three marks. Number two. Number two says, 
sounds are made but no words. So number two, I'm going to make sounds. Sounds are made but no words. Meaning no words. You're not talking. You can make sound like mop. But you're not talking. Meaning you can make sound with a, with a mouth, but you're not talking, so we'll give it two. And number one simply means there is no vocalization. Number one, there is no vocalization in number one. Now, let's see the question. Speaks incoherently. What, so what number, what number is applied to this area? Speaks incoherently. Number four, right? Because he's talking, but his words are not coherent. So this will become number four here, right? So he he has three, and uh, for his V, he has four, right? The last one is the motto. Move his explainer when pin is applied. Number, uh, that's, that's the motor skills, right? Now, in the motor skills, it says here, um, it starts from six to one. So we start from six, five, people have one mute. Four, three, two, one. That's motor skills. So number one is the eye opening. It starts from four to one. Number two, the verbal skill starts from five to one. Number three, motor skills start from six to one. Number six, to be at six, meaning you can follow commands. Meaning, I'm gonna do, wake up, sit up in my bed. I'm gonna do, come here, lift your hands up. I'm following command to move my body part. If I follow command to move my body part, I will have six. So here, we put here, follows commands. That's number six. Number five says, local reaction to pain. Meaning, I do not follow commands, but I when there's a painful stimulant to my jaw, I will, op I will open my cheeks. If it pinch my skin on my left arm, I will move my left arm. Meaning, I'm reacting to what? Painful stimuli. So, I'm having a lo localized pain can help me move my body parts. Number four, there is a general draw the pain. Meaning, uh, I'm not doing anything, but every time you pinch my skin, my body will move because that is general. My whole body will respond to pain, but I, I'm not having a localized pain response. So number four will be general response to pains. Number four. Number three states, um, I'm having decorticate posture. Now, <clears throat> number four, number three says I'm having decorticate posture. Meaning, we talk about two, we talk about this cerebrate and decorticate. And we say for the decorticate posture, it meaning I'm having adduction. A, D, D, meaning my extremity are towards my body part adduction add so when i'm having add i'm having decorticate structure or posture then number two says i'm having d cerebrate is number three number two i mean is d cerebrate meaning i'm having extension of my excreta meaning my excreta are away from my body part meaning i'm hyper extended my legs my fingers my toes are all hyper extended away from my body so I'm having a decerebrate posture. If I'm having decorticate posture, my body parts are flexed towards my body. They are flexed. If I'm having decerebrate, 
my body parts are extended, meaning my legs, my arm are all extended. So I'm having deep cerebrate at number two. Number one is when there is no motor response, meaning I cannot respond. There is no response under here. So number six, I follow commands. Number five, I do not follow commands, but I have localized pain reaction. Number four, I do not have localized pain reaction. I have generalized pain reaction. Number three, I have decorticate, which is adduction, ADD. Number two, I'm having decerebrate, which is ABD, away from my body part. And number one, there is no response. So number this, the last part says, he moves his extremity when P is applied. Where well, we are for myself. Where can I find myself here? Five. five Why five? Five. 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 Okay, so they'll be five, right? So here is five, right? Now, yeah. then the question asks us, which of the following GCS shoe the nurse document? Oh, we, we add everything. We'll add okay, okay, okay. I'm okay. Let's listen to this. They say here, this can be five. It says, um, he moves his extremity when P is applied. So it can be five. It's four. Four. Can Why I, four? It's going to be four. Why four? It says he moves his extremity uh -huh. when P is applied. So why, what? Why four? Please explain to me. No, I, not, no, I'm asking why four first of what coming? Why four? <clears throat> Because he's performing the generalized thing. Mm? They said he moved his extremity when P is applied. The fact that it did not say when P is applied to his to his legs, to his ear, to his mouth, is that when P is applied, so that, that, that becomes a general statement. So when P is applied, he moved his extremities. Did he say one extremity? Did he say meaning he moved his four extremities at the same time? Where the P is applied? So it is not local. If they, if they are said, he moved his right extremity when P is applied on his red toes. That becomes a localized response to pain. Does that make sense? Yeah, also Vasco. Yeah. The reason asked us five because for four, they would have said he moved him, him like if he, if he applied P on his right arm and he moved his, his feet. That's generalizing pain there. No, that's generalized. No, it's generalized. The fact that the, the fact that they gave me a description of where the pin will apply, meaning that means only when you apply pin to the red to the red arm. But it said when you apply pin. So if you apply pin to his ear, the screen will move. You apply pin to his nose. The spirit of moon that is not that then that means it's generalized. So the pain generalization is not to a particular place, it's anywhere part of the body, you will move the extremity. That generalization of pain. Okay. Hmm? So the low so the local is like when you apply it to his thing. Local is if we apply it to his arm and he move his body part. Una his arm meaning it's localized. Or una his toes, meaning it's look is localized. Meaning if we go somewhere else, it's not gonna be applied. Meaning it is localized. So because they did not say a particular place. Now this in class, we have to honor these things with skills and logic. The question will be tricky. 
We have to listen to the world. Take everything into consideration for the endless. It says, um, speaks incoherently, describing his speech, he moves his extremities when P is applied. They did not say one, two, or three. They didn't tell us where the P is applied. That becomes a generalized pain. It could be even in his, if he put his hair, he will still move his extremities. That becomes a generalized pain. So in this situation, which of the following GCS should the nurse document? Yeah. Okay, there's one thing that uh, we need to make a little bit clear here. There are three different movements here. So we have withdraw, withdraw, mm -hmm. you have flexion and extension. So when you are to answer such a question, you need to, to understand clearly, like you said, they decelerate, they decorticate, they need to understand the difference between them. Then they are basically able because if the description is not clear, you need to understand generally. They say move his extremity, meaning because uh, meaning number three, uh, um, number four is out. Because four say withdraw, it come to him, so he's moving, so it's going away. So going away becomes what extension or up the A B. Yep. Are we following? Exactly. No, can you, can you come back again? Can you come back again, please? Okay. The question says, I'm going directly to the motor skills. That he moves his extremities when P is applied. Right? So, we have two movements. I mean, uh, one uh, major movement, move me away from. So, we mm -hmm. will conclude is this celebrate. And decelerate or extension or abduction, that's mm -hmm. AB, is number what? It's number three. Yeah. It's, it's number two. Number two, sorry. Number, number two, two, yeah, two. Number two. Number three is abduct. So they, abduct, they just yeah, bring. You, you reflex. You reflex. Yeah, yeah reflex. So it, it's not moving away, but it's coming towards. Mm -hmm. So you need to understand, understand those. Then number four says, Withdraw is like when you, like for example, pinch the patient, the patient remove their hand. They are they are removing because you are pinching them. So you need to understand in between there, if not, you're going to make. Yeah, that's what we're coming for. Uh, uh, that's what my understanding was right on the. Because I think it's very, very hard for me to understand. I've tried. It's not, it's not hard. Patient. You just have to pay because if you, if you have in your mind that it's very hard. Yeah, because now you come to my point, Mr. Baran. Where what Tony? Because we are, I, I know like if you, if you apply the pin to that particular place and the person takes that place away from you, then it means the localizing the pin. So, so, so first of all, after that, I want to understand something. Yeah, first. go ahead. Mm -hmm. So if you put a pin to a, a particular place, right, and the person takes that person, they will draw that place from you, they, 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 like you pinch their hand, and they take their hand away. So how will you consider that a general or a localizing thing? So what I want to understand, what I want to understand, right, when it comes to general or localized, eh, mm -hmm. it has to do with the response of the body parts. 
to the painful stimuli. That's why I won't understand. So he withdrew not one. He withdrew his extremity. That became general lies. They didn't say one. They didn't say two. So, so, so the thing where you, you, your point is because they didn't uh, say he withdrew his right hand. Also, if in general withdrew extremity, it means all his, all his body part responded at once. Now, 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 right? I, 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 I don't want to say yes to you because I know where you coming. Wait, and I, I know where you coming at. Now, I want you to understand the definition of these words in relation to what we're talking about. Because, take for example, right? We might talk about vehicle. Vehicle could be a, a motor car, right? On in our rear or uh, in our outside world. In medicine, vehicle is not a motor car. So, if I give you a define vehicle. And you want to open a Webster dictionary, you'll define vehicle as a motor car or a car running on the street, which would be wrong. Now, vehicle is what takes the drugs from a point of deposit in the GI tract or in the intestinal mucosa to where it is needed. That becomes vehicle in pharmacology. Now, in this situation, General Lars is talking about the response of the body parts. That becomes generalization. So if I pull one pet, don't think about the pulling of the body part. Think about the response of the body part. That becomes generalization. So where the pain is applied, don't think about that. The response of the patient, that becomes our local lies or general lies. And if, I want to, uh, uh, the question is, is pluralizing the, the extremities. Yeah, and they say you move the extremities when pain is applied. Now and then the spirit is like you say it's not one it's not one it's plural so many all extremities right so if if he had moved his left legs that become that become localized meaning he moved one leg if P was applied and he moved his right arm that become localized meaning he's only moving his left arm but if he moves the full extremities that become generalized so, the, so that's how I want you, I want you to consider. The difference between localized and generalization. Does that make sense? And what did uh, Amadou, you all, they, they also need to define these words so that they get to understand? Because if you don't understand what is decelerate, decorticate, flexion, extension, those you get confused with them. They could use all of those words. They could use all of these words, and if you don't know the meaning of those, these words, you get confused. So you, you guys need to try to define these words so that you know the difference between what is decorticate, what is decelerate, what is extension, flexion. Those are things that you have done before. But so if it's something you go back and refresh and refresh your mind a little bit on them. <laughs> so okay. So in this case, right? So in this case, our answer will be what? What will be our answer? Eleven. 11 right right so b is the correct answer here now you see you see, you see, you see this question so if we did not study these things in our end class you saw this in the end class this is a huge possibility of offering this question because where to start from we will not have any idea where to start from and these things are in our audio and i asked you two days ago listen to the audio it is important these things are what will come now you you see in in the classroom 
Mr. Barron spoke of something that that I think that that things you add to this class. He said at, at the beginning of every class we talk about a class objective. That is, in neuro in, in neuro nursing, what do we expect our students to achieve after the complete neuro study about about message? So under here, we expect that we should achieve those diagnostic procedures to know them in detail. To know what can we do when a patient is going for cerebral angiography. Because there are questions on cerebral angiography that when we ask here, we might find it difficult to answer them. But if we complete cerebral angiography in our study, meaning there should not be a question that we should struggle to answer after the completion of this particular of this particular uh, part of message. So my goal is when we pass something, if we pass a topic, to know that topic. 100% or even 90% if we can go 100 let's go 90% to know the topic that becomes my goal so at this point we have to look at these things so you see how important these things are they are very important to our English study they are important this question can come in thousand different ways now let's let, let's let's discuss this man has 11 his GCS score is 11. His GCS here is 11. Who is he? Can we describe his activities? What can he engage? Uh, what can he get involved into? Can we describe what, what, what is he involved into at this point? Can someone tell me? He's at 11. His score is at 11. So what do we expect from him? Asada. I said I'm a G's partner. I'm not go. Yeah. Um. um yeah, Mr. Baron. So, so they should tell us first. Uh -huh. What state is this patient in? Uh -huh. Okay. So at at eleven, yeah. what state from is he state, in? From the state, then we know what the patient is, is doing, can do. Because if you don't know, if you don't know what state the patient is based on the outcome of your calculation, then you stay because there could be a, a follow up question to this. Exactly. So what state is he? So he's having eleven. His score is eleven. So what state is he in? Is he is he uh so is he conscious? Is he unconscious? Is he uh uptondex? Is he semi conscious? Is he uh lethargic? What state is he in? If he having GC of eleven, where is he? Eh? Okay, someone says 11, he's lethargic. Any other contrary view? Unconscious. Someone says 11, he's unconscious. Any other view? Now, I'm going to go ahead and uh, now, in critical situation, our responses in GCF monitoring is we add the E plus the V plus the M will give us our GCS in uh, uh, in targeting our glaucoma skill. Now, in critical situation, when there's hair injury and close monitoring is required, we use a soft skill to get at the results and document these results when it comes to GCS. Now, um, the GCS may be reported as a single number 
in the end class. So in the end class, this these are single numbers G, uh, GCS. Mean they gave you E plus two plus V three plus M five A ten. So, or in the end class, they might give you a separate numbers. So they might ask you. Let's say you read this question. They said A is E two V three and M five. B is E three V four M four. Now you see in this situation, the GCI was going to us as separate digits, not one digit number or, or not one number. So it is it is our duty to go ahead and calculate everything and connect this number to a single value to reflect our GCS interpretation in this situation. In here it's easier because it added it for us and give us a whole number. So based on our whole number, they might ask us what is your GPS, your GCS interpretation the what is about to ask. So how can we interpret these numbers? Now, then it says here that uh, the GCS sum, the sum of our GCS score ranges between 3 to 15, like I said earlier. So every GCS will not go below 3, will not go above 15, because 3, guess what? There are 3, there are three areas. So even if 1, 2, 3 came to, 1, 2, 3 will not the lowest of this score when you add three scores will be three because the lowest of e is one the lowest of v is one the lowest of m is one so no matter how you add them it will not go below two uh, so it will not go below three so the least number for gcs is three so it means if we got one here we got one here we got one here or we got one here one here one here it will give us three so the least of this G gcs scoring is three and the higher of it is 15. Now, in a sense, um, the numbers are assigned. So three from, from each scales will have three. The total will be of 13 to be normal in total. Now, this allows the doctor to determine specific uh, numerical function. Now, under here, the best possible score is 15. Like I, told, like I said, the best possible score is 15. In general, the scores of the GCS can correlate the patient condition. Now, a score less than 8, the client is having severe hair injury and coma. Any score less than 8, they are having one severe head injury, one, two, and they are in coma. Any score less than eight they are in they are they are having a severe hair injury and they are in comatose state any score less than eight that's one two any score between nine to twelve any score between nine to twelve meaning the patient has moderate hair injury any score between nine to twelve they are having moderate, moderate head injury. Any school between 9 to 12, they are having moderate head injury. And any school that we're going to derive at above 13, or any school above 13 is with minor head injury. So any school above 13, um, 
patient has minor hair injury they are not in coma so we won't score above 15 or about anything below between 12 to 13 meaning they are having minor hair injury because we're going to do gcs if there's a hair injury so when there's a severe hair injury patient score is below it they are in coma meaning they are not from their incomplete comatose state if there's between 9 to 11 they are having moderate hair injury they are not in coma but they have other symptoms that are not on those comatose symptoms if they are if they are above 13 they are having minor hair injury then this brings us back to our question 11 what is happening to this 11 the person with 11 school what is happening to this person is he in coma is he unconscious is he lethargic yeah? So 11, a score of 11 is what? Is he unconscious? First of all, is he unconscious? Yes, he's conscious. He's conscious. Okay, so he's not unconscious, right? Because we said unconscious is... You are... Uh, 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 so he's, he's... He might be between lethargic, right, Mr. Bala? Moderate. So he's moderate so on he's, here. He's, yeah, he's moderate, moderate conscious. Yes. So he's he, he's conscious. He's not in coma. He's he's conscious, but he's not very much. He's not represent. He's not he's not to his best level. He might be a little bit lethargic when you're walking. You know, he's like trying to you know trying to like uh, sustain his gait. Meaning he's moderate. So if he's above eight. It's fine. Meaning above it is conscious. So this is how we interpret this GCS. And it comes in different ways. It comes in different ways. You want to remember that, that uh, the first one start from 4 to 1. Second one start from 5 to 1. The motor start from 6 to 1. So the first one, which is the eye opening, is from 4 to 1. The verbal start from 5 to 1. The motor start from six to one. If you look at it this way, go ahead and do question and answer on them. The only way you can you can master these things is when you leave from here. You do question and answer on them on Quizlet. You go to your note. You go to your to your computer. You pull out endless past question on GCS on glaucoma skill Quizlet. It will bring you thousands of questions. You do not have to do all of the questions. Just do few, and you and you should be good. You will see more examples. You will see more things about it, and that can serve you. Uh, it can serve you well. Any question? And uh, and also to add up before they, they come to ask the question, you guys also need to look at the pediatric glaucoma skills. Okay. Because uh, the response of the the the, the piece or the children will be different from that of the adults. So please, a carry the C, the E, the M, the V, but they respond like a child that doesn't talk. Yeah. What do they do when we pick when we apply P to their skin? Child of one year or child more that is greater than one year. What happens? You also need to know that. So you need to you guys need to look up that you you have the general knowledge. You need to also look look up it. Because the wording or the responses will not be the same. 
meaning uh, that for example, a child less than one year, the 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 verbal command they will follow may be different from the child of two years. Or when you apply pin, what happens? It's different from an adult. So you guys need to look it up. Then that will that will help you to be balanced. We know the okay receive school one is no response, two is uh, is this and that. But you need to, to look at it. They have different interpretation. Any question? So I have another question for you here about these procedures. This one states a nurse is providing education to a patient who is under who is to undergo an electro encephalogram EEG the next day which of the following information should a nurse include in the teaching you hear this question so that the nurse is providing an education for a patient who is scheduled to do EEG electroencephalogram the next day so which of the following information should the nurse include meaning which is the following information in here that is important that the nurse cannot or the nurse cannot omit she must include it into the teaching. A says, do not wash your head, do not wash your hair the morning of the procedure. That's A. B says, try to stay awake most of the night prior to the procedure. C says, the procedure will take approximately 15 minutes. And D says, you will need to lie flat for four hours after the procedure. Which of the following statement it is the most important information that you must pass over to your patient before the next morning to do the EEG? Which one is the most important and why is it the most important one? Any answer? I understand. So you have a patient, right? The patient is going to do EEG, electroencephalogram. The next morning, you are you are you are the nurse, and now, uh, which of the following information, right, um, is important to tell your patient about the procedure before tomorrow? A says, do not wash your hair. A says, do not wash your hair. B says, um, B says, um, remain awake or stay awake for most of the night, for most parts of the night, um, of the night before tomorrow EEG procedure. And C says um, the procedure will take approximately 15 minutes. The procedure will take approximately 15 minutes. And D says um, you will need to lie flat. You will need to lie flat for four hours after the procedure for four hours after the procedure which one of these information that is very important that the nurse needs to pass over to the patient meaning which of these procedure is very important that, that the patient must do before the test tomorrow in the morning which one to okay do, we take to do or what, what should not do before the test i said which of the proceed which of this statement is which of which of the following is important 
or will, or will the nurse pass over to the patient? Meaning, which one is more important for the nurse to tell the patient before the procedure is done tomorrow in the morning? So when I'm telling Richard, I'm looking at uh, Richard, don't wash your hair. Washing your hair has nothing to do with the EEG because the EEG is taking on the chest. It's the cardio. No. The so this is not, no, this is not EKG. It is EEG. Yeah. It is not EKG. EKG is for cardiac monitoring. EEG yeah. is the electroencephalogram. It is done okay. on the head. It is not for the hair. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. For the hair, I assume okay. it's adjusting for the hair. Oh, so the book can always get me up. So mm -hmm. the, the most information will be here. Don't wash your hair. Mm -mm. So why? Okay, I come in. Why she should not wash? Why? Why? Is she, why the patient should not wash their hair? Why? Okay, the patient should not wash their hair because of the electrical or connection will be the. Wait, no, I think I'm missing something. Hello? Yeah. Can you go back to the question? Some other cream showing. Now, the question states, a yeah, nurse is providing patient education, patient education to a patient who has to undergo EEG the next morning. Which of the following information will the nurse include into the patient teaching before the test is done tomorrow in the morning? A says, do not wash your hair the morning of the procedure. B says, try to stay awake most of the time for the procedure. C says, the procedure will take approximately 15 minutes. And D says, you will need to lie down flat for four hours after the procedure. Which one is more important? Uh, do not wash your hair the, the morning. The, you wash your hair the, the, the night before the procedure. But the morning of the procedure, you don't wash your hair because of the Okay, so 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 you mean that uh the patient would use a gel in the hair, right? To stick the electrodes yeah. on the hair. So in that situation, you do not wash your hair in the morning. That, that's why you're trying, you're trying to trying to derive right? No, that's not what I say. Mm -hmm. I say your hair needs to be clean. So which is the correct answer? Which, which was the correct answer? Your hair needs to be clean for the procedure. But there's nothing else say your hair needs to be clean. We have four options here. One, do not wash your hair the morning of the procedure. B, remain remain awake most of the night. C, the procedure will last for 15 minutes. D, I lie down for four hours after the procedure. D. Okay, so I chose D. What else? Any yeah. contrary view? Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, I would say D too because um, mm -hmm. they do the procedure. I think they sedate you, which mm -hmm. will make you to relax before they pull that story your hair. Which that stuff for the pull your hair, you gotta wash your hair because they gotta take all that oil from your hair because our hair can be oily. Okay, and a so, contrary view. Yeah, so you got your after D because that sedation will be using you, so you gotta lay down for some time. Okay, now I will make a pause. I'll go back to EEG. Let's listen let to what EEG says. The nursing intervention, uh, the nursing management for EEG. Now, for the nursing consideration for the EEG, um, the procedure is performed to identify or determine seizure activities in the brain. So EEG is done to determine seizure activities in the brain. That's the reason we we'll do EEG. 
Now, but they are also useful for detecting sleep disorder and behavioral changes. This EEG can detect sleep disorder and also detect behavioral changes besides seizure. So it does three things. There are three indications. Seizure activities in the brain, detects sleep disorder, and detects behavioral changes in a patient. Now, the next one says, before the procedure, you want to review the medication for the patient, if they should continue the medication. Now, for every surgical procedure, if our patient has medication that has been prescribed for our patient, that's the first thing you want to do, to review his medication. What are those medications? Should be with him? Should be on the medication? Or should stop them before the procedure? And how long will it take our patient to return to his medications? Those are important things about surgery. So when you work in a surgical department in a hospital, those are the first thing you want to ask your patient. Are you on medications? What medication are you on? Then you tell that, okay, this man is on vaporic acid or he's on heparin, he's on commanding. Can he continue the medication while we get while the surgery is done tomorrow? Or how many days? Those are things you want to ask about the medication on surgical unit. Another thing is now when you have reconciled his medication, you instruct the patient to wash his hair before the procedure to eliminate gels, oils, creams, sweat from the hair. He washes his hair or she washes her hair. Now, in the anklets, they will always bring us in the anklet. There is another procedure that we'll talk about in here that you need to now wash your hair before the procedure. Now, in the anklets, because there are two procedures that, that, that give opposite meaning, so the brothers in here to confuse you. So you might think on another procedure that says do not wash your hair after the procedure. Because the journey to stay there for a certain amount of time to test it and see what's happening to the patient hair. So because of that procedure, they also put an opposite in here to this procedure. For this EEG, you need to wash your hair to remove the oil, the creams, the gel from the hair before the procedure. And also spray to take away spray from your hair. Now, if indicated, tell the patient to sleep deprive himself. This procedure... If it is indicated the patient needs to deprive himself, meaning the night of the procedure, he should not sleep. So in this situation, he needs to sleep deprived because we want to check his brain activities. What is the cause of what's happening to him? If he's having sleep disorder, we can check it. If he's having behavioral changes, we can check it. If he's having seizure problem in the brain, we can also check using the procedure. So in this procedure, our patient needs to have sleep deprivation. Does that make sense? Now, yeah. the next one states, um, because when he sleep when he is sleep deprived, this will provide cranial stress. Meaning, when he deprives himself from sleeping, it will give him cranial stress. It will increase the probability of abnormal uh, uh, activities in the brain, which we can detect and know the cause of his problem, such as seizure potential. If he sleep deprived, 
those seizures activated will be clearly seen on the test. But if you sleep a lot, the brain will be at rest, will be normal brain process, so we cannot detect brain abnormality. But if he sleep deprived, it will allow us to see the stress that the brain is undergoing, which can also detect for us uh, other electrical activities that are occurring in the brain. Another thing is, um, you should increase electrical activities in the brain. There will be light that will be placed in his eye. They will place light to awaken the brain, to stimulate the brain in this procedure. Also, we should request the patient to hyperventilate three to four minutes for the procedure. So he needs to hyperventilate three to four minutes before the procedure. These are things that the nurses must know, must do for their patient before they can go ahead and carry out the, the procedure. Tell the patient to avoid taking any stimulant like caffeine, any sedative. They should stop taking any, they should not take any, any, any sedative, any hypnotic medication before the procedure. 12 to 24 hours. Now, you should stop all stimulant 12 to 24 hours before the procedure. So with this, we've come to the of this of this answer right so which answer here is correct from just from this explanation which answer here is the correct answer b b why he should remain awake to sleep deprived for most of the most part of the night before the procedure right so this become our correct answer here so all these other ones they are not correct now guess what this man should not take sedative or stimulant 12 to 24 hours before the test. In the end, class, they might also bring another question in here. This man is on a particular medication that, that is a hypnotics or he's on a sedative. Should he continue the medication? No, he cannot continue. Or they will ask you a person who has to do EG in the morning, tomorrow morning, is on the following medication. Which of these medications will the nurse stop before the procedure? They will pour A. They'll pull ampicillin, 500 milligrams, this is so they'll everything among those medicines, there will be a sedative among there, or there will be a hypnotic in there that the patient cannot take while going for this procedure. So you see how important it is to listen to, to listen to the audio? These things will come in our anchors a lot. And it's, it's also important because uh, when you know uh, about these different instruments, you know when and how, why, that helps you all these questions you will be able to answer them but if you don't know about the tools about the instrument then these questions you will not be able to answer them so that's why I, yeah i'm going to say from the beginning you need to know these, these different uh, uh instruments that will be used for assessment because these are all assessment tools that you use to help you tell them know them slowly I didn't say the hand was up. Yes. Uh, yeah. Yes, I was a question. And is it the same um, test that they call sleep studies test? You said. Uh, is it the same thing with the sleep study? Um, I don't know much about that. I have looking up. You said clip. How do you spell it? Clip study. Yeah, there's some um, there's some tests that they do for one of my clients. Mm -hmm. The, um to know how um 
Oh, you mean sleep? So you said yeah, sleep steady? Sleep, 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 sleep yeah, steady? Yeah, sleep steady. Yeah. Is this the same thing? It looks like yeah. Um, if 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 uh now it might be the same or it might be different one. Um, they have uh they have different types. They have different type. They have one they call uh the police. I think what you talking about? I think I think you're talking about the the, the what we call the the, the police somnography. So they have another one to call the polysomnography. It's what we call the sleep study test. Now, um, let me just read this. That's a good, that's an important question. They call it polysomnography. So the polysomnography is what we, is what we call the sleep study test. Sleep study test. This wherein we study the patient's sleep pattern to know what they are what they are or what they are going through so if you look at this study this test um it is a very comprehensive test to diagnose sleep 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 disorders so yes we can also do this eeg to diagnose sleep disorder but it is not meaningful for that it is not a, now in the ankles so they're asking for the ankles a patient has been having insomnia and he, he he arrived at the clinic to do some tests the doctor, the nurse will anticipate which test to be ordered to study the patient's sleep disorder, so the patient's insomnia. So in this situation, you have A, E, E, G, you have B, you have poly, uh, poly somnography, uh, you have um, EMG, and you have X-ray. X-ray, e, and EMG, they are all for muscular scanning disorder. They are all on a muscular scanning disorder or system. So these two tests are almost, they have some similarity, but between the two tests, the most specific one will be the polysomnography. This is the most specific test for sleep disorder. This can help us, but it is not the first test of choice to do the sleep test. So this polysomnography, this polysomnography is, it is the test of choice to do for all a sleep, a sleep study. And the EEG will, will just tell us the brain activity, the activities of the brain, and it may not be so specific. So the polysomnograph will be very specific for sleep. Okay, yeah. Thank you so much. You're welcome. So these this things are important, and if we look at them, and uh, we'll learn a lot about them, um, the polis, the polis somnographic test can look out for sleep apnea. Know what is sleep apnea? It can check for periodic limb movement disorder at night. It can check also for uh, narcolepsy, uh, narcolepsy. It can check for REM. At this at this point, we've done these things. We've done REM. We've done uh, we've done narcolepsy. Um, we've done these things in this class. Narcolepsy, we've done uh, REM -E sleep. Yeah. R E M, N R E M. Yeah, we did the N R E M in this class. N R E M. Non rapid eye movement, rapid eye movement, our stage. So, what we've done, I expect you to know them already. So, the, the thing can be when you get to the ankles, right? It is so painful. You've heard about this thing in this class. But you did not put time to study it, got to the ankles and then you saw it in the ankles. That is the worst thing you ever want to experience in the ankles. 
So the poorest small government can the poorest small government can do all these things for us. Um so and then also we could also use um we could also use the poorest small graphic and the in this EG together, they could, they could be used both, could be used at the same time in testing for the patient. Yeah. Any question? <laughs>